Ever wonder what history's most famous and infamous people would say if you asked them for their side of the story? Well, here's your chance. You're listening to Hindsight, an original podcast by Al Jazeera. I'm Charles Dance. This is a dramatized series based on historical events that resurrect some of the world's most memorable figures. In this episode, we hear from Augusto Pinochet Ugarte, Chile's feared leader of 17 years. A passionate military man who struggled at school, he rose from relative obscurity to become one of history's most notorious military dictators. Though he was considered by many who knew him as unremarkable in the years before the coup, in hindsight, Pinochet was an accomplished opportunist who seized absolute power, then bullied his way into keeping it. Hindsight. You've heard of them. Now it's time you hear from them. It's September the 10th, 1973. The eve of a coup against Salvador Allende, the first democratically elected Marxist leader in Latin America. Augusto Pinochet paces the floor in his home. It's late, but sleep is the last thing on his mind. Politicians, they play a game of ideologies and call themselves our leaders. What do they know about ruling? I truly have no choice. Allende has to go, and I lead the way. Lead? Well, at least that's his version. It appears the plan had been in the making for a long time. But according to interviews with those close to Pinochet, he had only recently agreed to sign on. Whichever version of events you choose to believe, Pinochet's betrayal will come as a shock to Allende. After all, only 18 days earlier, the president had appointed Pinochet as the commander-in-chief of the army. Allende is nothing but a puppet for the Marxists. Communists, he only has himself to blame. Yes, Pinochet had a long history of hostility towards communism, a sentiment shared with the United States, which was embroiled in a cold war with the Soviet Union. I should get some sleep. Tomorrow is a big day. It's 6 a.m. on Tuesday, September the 11th, 1973. Pinochet may be wide awake, but he's deliberately taking his time. The phone rings. Could it be Allende, he wonders. After all, he had earlier received word of an uprising by the Chilean Navy. Pinochet chooses not to answer the phone. This time, you'll get dressed first. Hello? Your car is here. Okay, I'll come downstairs right away. An army vehicle is waiting for Pinochet. And they drive into the very heart of an awaiting political firestorm. Troops are on the streets of the capital, Santiago. We're getting reports that the military has now surrounded the presidential palace. Go right here instead. The presidential compound is under attack. Heavy gunfire can be heard blocks away. There appears to be a coup underway. Turns out the four branches of Chile's armed forces, including the national police, known as the Carabineros, are behind the plot. Breaking news. The presidency has been overthrown. Augusto Pinochet announces himself ruler of Chile. What did you think? 
that I was just going to stand by, hope things would pan out in my favor? My beloved Lucia was right. I had to secure my family's future as well as my country's. It was time for a change and I was the man for the job. The original plan was for the heads of each military branch to take turns leading the country. But Pinochet, once in power, wasn't planning to just let go. Was Pinochet a meticulous strategist who defended the interest of his country, or just an opportunistic, power-hungry autocrat? Tell me again, what news organization are you from? Ah, I admire foreign journalists always making other people's business your own. Uh, don't worry about your tape recorder. I'll get you a transcript of the interview. Now, what can I tell you? I am Augusto Pinochet Ugarte. Want me to spell that for you? I was born in the port city of Valparaiso. On the 25th of November, 1915, the first of six children. I was named after my father, but I took after my mother. She was strict. Teresa, get up. That's your brother's seat. Augusto, darling, sit. My sister, Teresa, couldn't stand my relationship with our mother, but she just never understood it. She used to tease me and call me Regalon. But mother didn't spoil me necessarily. We just had a special bond. My father was almost always at work, so mother was the one who raised us. She taught us to always pray and thank God for what we had. Say this with me, Augusto. You have to learn these words. Glory be to the Father, and Glory to the Son, to the Father, and to the Holy, to the Spirit, Spirit, to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world, without, be. End. world Amen. without end. Amen. She commanded respect, and she got it. She taught me a lot. Pinochet and his mother shared a unique bond. She was his touchstone, and he was her favorite. I started elementary school quite late and went to three different schools in four years. We moved a lot when I was a child, so it was difficult keeping up with the lessons, let alone trying to make any friends. But I was better off alone. Children can be so cruel. I remember they'd wait for me on the playground, and once I stepped outside, They'd point their fingers at me, make fun of my voice, my laugh. They called me names. Some say they called him a burro, meaning donkey, because of Pinochet's laugh. But there are others who suggest this is a reference to his poor grades. No matter, the young Pinochet had other interests. Mother told me not to waste my time with them. She told me that I didn't need to stoop to anyone's level just to fit in. My uncle Alejandro was in the army. 
I always looked forward to hearing his battle story. And then what happened? My uncle taught me that protecting the nation was the top priority of every soldier. Wow, really? Carefully, carefully. I used to collect miniature soldiers when I was a child and line them up for war. I, of course, played the general. On my command, man. From a very young age, I knew that the military life was for me. My father wanted me to be a doctor, but my mother took my side. She always praised the military sense of discipline and responsibility. She felt its values were similar to our Christian values. When Pinochet was a teenager, he applied to military school. Is that my letter? Too young. You are Augusto Pinochet. No one rejects you. Sit down. We're starting over. Mother was determined for me to prove myself. Two years later, I applied again. Too weak. Because of his small stature at the time, Pinochet was considered too weak. Truth of the matter is, he was a below-average student with no obvious talent. So it's likely he was rejected at first for his poor grades. But thanks to his mother's unfailing support and determination, he finally received his acceptance after his third application. His peers were all two years younger. Don't you worry, my darling Augusto. You will one day command our nation's army. I feel it. It was an uncertain time in Chile during Pinochet's teen years. President Arturo Alessandri had been re-elected in 1932, but ruled by decree. Meanwhile, once in the academy, Pinochet remained focused. Politics could wait. One, two, three, faster! One, two, three, faster! Uno, dos, tres, faster! I made a reputation for myself. I always followed orders. Sir! Yes, sir! And of course, my superiors took note. In a few short years, I was in the San Bernardo Infantry, and I was made a lieutenant when I graduated in 1937. Pinochet was taught that his best chance of success was to follow orders and to stay out of the way, not to draw too much attention to himself. That came in handy years later. But in 1940, Pinochet was thinking of something else. Or rather, someone else. Sir, who is that? I was in San Bernardo, patrolling the streets with Colonel Guillermo Barrios when we ran into his daughter. She was collecting donations for charity. Standing beside her was the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen. Lucia Iriart, that's a beautiful name. She asked me to donate to her charity, and it was at that moment I prayed the ground would swallow me up whole. Ah, I'm sorry, I don't have much. You see, my wallet is in my other uniform. Colonel Barrios offered to donate on my behalf, as if I wasn't embarrassed enough already. Uh, thank you so much, Colonel. Here you go, Miss Lucia. But 
I must have not made that bad of a first impression. Lucia and I started dating shortly thereafter. Pinochet was eight years older than Lucia, and his colleagues would mock him for the age difference. My relationship was none of their business. Anyway, Lucia's opinion was the only one that mattered. Once she decided to be with me, no one, not even her father, could tell her no. Lucia is a strong-willed woman and devout. I knew she was the one for me. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. On January 30th, 1943, Lucia became Lucia Iriart de Pinochet. Like all things in God's plan, Lucia, you and I were meant to be. Together, through thick and thin. Lucia understood that as the wife of a military officer, she too had a responsibility to her nation. Family was the priority. What do we need with more lawyers, Lucia? It's a waste of time. I need you by my side. Lucia later revealed that she would have preferred to continue her university studies, but Pinochet convinced her otherwise. We both wanted a big family, and God blessed us with five beautiful children. Ines, Maria, come help your mother. Boys, boys, where are you? Personally and professionally, things were looking good for the 31-year-old army officer. By 1946, Pinochet was promoted to captain. Meanwhile, that same year, the left-wing Gabriel González Fidela became president of Chile. At that time, he counted communists as allies, but quickly turned his back on them as Chile became entangled in the Cold War. President Fidela ordered the persecution of all members of the Communist Party. Historians say Videla was appeasing the United States. After all, the lone superpower in the West was in a position to provide desperately needed loans and investment to Chile. Here marks Chile's decisive move to the right. I was deployed in 1948 to transport hundreds of troublemakers to our prison in Pisagua. You boys are going to love Iquiqui prison. It's full of your kind. You'll see. The government had declared a state of emergency. Keep moving. Don't fall behind. There was no room for insolence. And it was here where I first met Salvador Allende. Ugh. Back then, he was a senator. He's demanding to see the prisoners? Under what authority? The nerve of politicians. Men like Allende are blinded by their self-importance. They think they can always get their way. Coming to inspect our camps? Tell him the conditions of our camps are of no concern to him or the public. Make it clear if he doesn't move his caravan, we'd be happy to do it for him. But Allende and his leftist thugs wouldn't budge. I'd had it. This is your last warning, Allende. Step away from the gates. You're trespassing. He wanted to speak with me. I 
had other ideas. Get me eyes on top. Prepare to shoot on my orders. Arende, you wanted to speak to me? Well, here I am. Turn back. You're done here. Go! He did. At least this is how Pinochet tells it. But according to some eyewitness accounts, it's unlikely this exchange ever happened. Meanwhile, life moved on steadily for Pinochet over the next decade or so, and in 1960, he became a father for the fifth time. Lucia, she is beautiful. We'll name her Jacqueline Marie. It's going to be difficult to say no to this one. Me? Well, same old, same old. What's that? Yes, I have been promoted. I am now a lieutenant colonel. By the time his youngest child was born, change was in the air in Chile and beyond. Socialism and communism were re-emerging as political forces in the Americas. With the success of Fidel Castro's communist revolution in Cuba fresh on people's minds in the region, and with the Cold War still raging, the United States launched a scare campaign to bring Christian Democrat Eduardo Frey to power in Chile. The U.S. wasn't keen on his opponent, Salvador Allende. It feared a socialist Allende government would push Chile into Cuba and the Soviet Union's orbit. And ultimately, American investments made in Chile would be lost. A lot of good those Christian Democrats are doing. Inflation is up 30%. Augusto, darling, did you get your promotion? Yes, darling. I am now... Brigadier General. Congratulations. I knew you'd make it. What comes after that rank? Despite promotions for some, the will of the Chilean people was powerful, demanding change, and the spectre of an Allende presidency loomed large. So the CIA sprung into action. Operatives stationed in the capital, Santiago, were ordered to keep Allende from winning the presidency but their efforts would fall short, and the socialist Salvador Allende would become president of Chile in 1970. As for Pinochet, he kept his enemies close, and in a matter of no time, he would become the second highest ranking officer in the Chilean army. Lucia, when I look at the road traveled, I thank God for how he has been clearing my path. I have come this far without force or resistance, but by aligning myself with his plan. Pinochet was now in his mid-fifties. An accomplished military man, his plan was to retire in a few years. But fate had other plans. A conspiracy was afoot. Crazy. They're going to destroy everything. What if the plans get leaked? I need to tell them to call it off. It's September 11th, 1973. President Allende will be dead before the day is out. Hello. Yes, I'll come downstairs right away. 
I reached the telecoms regiment office just before 8 in the morning. All communications and commands were controlled from there. I oversaw the entire coup. Not necessarily. All branches of the military took part in the junta. Generals from the army, air force, the national police, even the admiral of the Chilean navy. By the time Pinochet got in on the action, the presidential palace was already surrounded. Allende didn't stand a chance. At 9.10 a.m., before the public radio towers were bombed, President Allende gave his final message to the Chilean people. By mid-morning, military jets began targeting the presidential palace. His fate now sealed. President Allende ordered his security team to stand down. Somberly, it is said he shook hands with the members of his party, then calmly, quietly stepped into his office. The rifle was a gift from Castro. Around 2 p.m., Allende was mortally wounded by gunfire. Years later, an autopsy confirmed he died by suicide. I, Commander Augusto Pinochet, humbly accept the role of President of the Republic. This is not a transition of power, but the beginning of true patriotism. The leaders of the junta addressed the public on television that night and declared martial law. As commander of the oldest branch of the military, Pinochet named himself president. It's time to remind ourselves of the moral and spiritual values that are typical of our proud Chilean and Christian traditions. The military will assist in this transition. Chile's soul has been corrupted for too long. Those who stand in our way are enemies of the state and of providence. Only two months after the coup, 20,000 men and women had been tortured at the National Stadium in Santiago. More than 40 people were murdered there. But it only served as a prison for eight weeks. Authorities had to clean up the stadium in time for Chile's World Cup qualifying match against the Soviet Union. Anyone critical of the military became a target. Even the death of Pablo Neruda, the beloved poet and Nobel Prize winner, would be shrouded with intrigue. Official records show he died of cancer, but many close to Neruda say he was poisoned for his connections with Allende. Thousands of people defied the curfew to pay their respects to Neruda as his coffin was carried through the streets of Santiago, all under the watchful eyes of well-armed soldiers and police. Fortunately, peace prevailed, this time. But life under Pinochet would prove to be unpredictable. Fellow citizens, disband immediately. You are violating curfew law. Get me La Nación on the phone, now. 
When does the next issue come out? You'll submit your copy for the military's approval. Also, there's official governmental business you need to include. It's a list of 13 names. Cash reward offered for the capture of any fleeing Marxists. Between September and December 1973, according to Amnesty International, at least 250,000 people were arrested on political grounds. It was easy to get people to comply, but sometimes take them on a helicopter ride over the ocean. I had to get creative. I believe the media called them death flights. In 1974, Pinochet established the National Intelligence Directorate, simply known as DINA, a secret police also known as Pinochet's Gestapo. Its job was to target and crack down on critics of the regime. And sometimes, Dina's activities extended beyond Chilean borders. In 1976, former diplomat Orlando Letelier was killed in a car bomb in downtown Washington, D.C. Declassified U.S. intelligence documents confirm Pinochet directly ordered the killing. Inside Chile, Pinochet set out to transform the economy. He needed help. Chile was experiencing hyperinflation. Men, I'm bringing in the best and the brightest. They're called the Chicago Boys. They talk of an open market and unified exchange rates. Chile will be the envy of the world. We needed radical change. When I took over, inflation was more than 300%. The Chicago Boys, a group of Chileans trained at the University of Chicago, carried out an economic revolution in Chile throughout the 70s and early 80s. Their pro-business approach advocated for a free market and deregulated the financial sector. And you know what? It worked. It worked so well, economists were calling it the Chilean miracle. Yes, but for whom? The plan also created a huge gap between the rich and the poor. An economic crisis in 1982 forced many businesses into bankruptcy and unemployment skyrocketed. Pinochet eventually fired his key Chicago Boys advisors. September 7th, 1986, the day I found out how far my enemies would go to destroy me. We were driving back towards Santiago. I had my grandson with me. Your birthday is coming up, Rodrigo. How old are you going to be? Nine? Wow, you're already a man. I need to talk to the generals and see if we can get you a uniform. We were only about an hour out from Santiago. Driver, what's going on? Why have we stopped? What's that vehicle doing blocking the road? Ah, uh, that seminary school must be letting students out. Send someone to take a closer look. Get under the seat, Rodrigo, quickly! Get us out of here now! Thank you, Mother Mary. Thank you, Mother Mary. My grandson was safe. Thank God. 
but those leftist terrorists killed five of my guards. The Manuel Rodriguez Patriotic Front, a Marxist revolutionary organization, failed to assassinate President Pinochet. It was a wake-up call for me, and I knew I had to announce to my people that I was unharmed, that I was a survivor. I am a survivor. You now bear witness to the failure of the Frenistas. I, Augusto Pinochet, your beloved commander and ruler, am still alive. It wasn't long before members were rounded up and tortured. What are your allegiances to the armed resistance? Not ready to speak. Maybe you're thirsty. Guards, get him some water. No, 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 no. This was known as the submarine. It's when a prisoner is submerged in a tank of water mixed with excrement and ammonia. There was also the electric grill, the perch, fingernails extracted with pliers, rape. If you opposed the regime, horror and brutality awaited. Pinochet, a practicing Catholic, tried to avoid discussing the regime's history of abuse. When he hosted a special visitor in 1987, his guest, however, did not hold back. Crowds of people gathered at the National Stadium where Pope John Paul II described it as a place of competitions, but also of pain and suffering in times past. Did you catch the last reference? Even the Pope knew about the events that took place in the old stadium during the first two months of Pinochet's rule. Meanwhile, large crowds, many of them poor, assembled en masse to hear the Pope, chanting, urging the man Catholics believe to be God's representative on earth to take their tyrant away. Not a good look for Pinochet, but he would have had the broadcast heavily edited before it aired. Lucia, put our little grandson on my lap and come get in this photo. In 1988, Pinochet staged a referendum to extend his rule for another eight years. He was trying to pass off a new public persona, that of the calm patriarch, a father figure. I thank God because it was only by his grace and love that my family is still together. God has proven to be on our side, and I will live to protect my nation as I do my family. Pinochet's act had worn thin. After years of abusing his position of power, the Chilean public had had enough and voted against his referendum. He also lost the support of the military leadership. Mr. Pinochet, good morning, sir. Step this way, please. What's this about? I have things to do. Matai, Merino, and Stanje, you're all here. Perfect. Gentlemen, we have a situation. I assume you've heard the results of my referendum? Pinochet wasn't reading the room. You want me, Augusto Pinochet, 
to resign as commander of the army and run for president as a civilian? Who do you think you are? You think you'd be sitting in that seat if it weren't for me? Blood will run through the streets of Chile before Augusto Pinochet steps down. It was treason, but I calmed down. There was a better way around this charade. Now, generals, if we can sign the minutes of the meeting, we can all move on. The generals, wise to his ways, read through Pinochet's document. It actually laid out permission for Pinochet to extend his powers and have control over the Navy. The men ripped up the document. Pinochet's 17-year rule was over. But it wasn't the end of Augusto Pinochet. In 1998, a Spanish magistrate used an international human rights law to indict me of abuses in my country. Well, that year, I became a senator for life. I am not guilty of what they accused me of. Otherwise, why would they grant me full amnesty as a senator? But in 1999, while receiving medical treatment in England, his special status seemingly became irrelevant. They cuffed me to my bed like a sick, chained animal. They said I was under arrest and would answer to the Spanish courts. I do not recognize the jurisdiction of any court other than in my own country. The British and Spanish courts fight dirtier than the army. But my doctors were concerned. Pinochet physically unfit for trial, doctors say. The Spanish courts failed to convince Britain to hand me over to stand trial. So in March 2000, I finally got to go home. Despite facing more than 200 cases of human rights violations. Please fasten your seatbelts at this time. We will be landing shortly. Welcome home, Senator Pinochet. Your beloved Commander-in-Chief is home. Thank you for your spirit and your loyalty. Spread the word. Augusto Pinochet is still standing. After missing his court dates in London on account of his health, Pinochet stood up from his wheelchair before an adoring crowd in Santiago. Quite the medical miracle. But if his health got him out of trouble in England, it didn't in Chile. Pinochet was stripped of his immunity from prosecution. The National Commission on Political Imprisonment and Torture issued a report in 2004 detailing more than 35,000 cases of torture during Pinochet's regime. A year later, Pinochet lost his immunity for illegal financial dealings, as well as for a case involving the forced disappearance and execution of at least 119 people. Their bodies were found in Argentina in 1975. The court ruled he was fit to stand trial for those crimes. But Pinochet would never get the pain he caused so many. Uno, dos, tres, breath, 
breath. Come on. On December the 10th, 2006, Augusto Pinochet Ugarte died. He was 91. He never expressed any remorse towards his victims, not even on his deathbed. After a life devoted to the Chilean military, Pinochet would be refused a military funeral. Name a leader that has done what I have. Chile is an actual democracy because of me. I rescued the country from communism and I rebuilt it in the image of providence. Should I apologize for fulfilling my duty, for taking action against terrorists, for protecting my people and the nation? That's what I did, protect my nation, regardless of the lies said about me. Investigations reveal 2,279 people were murdered during Pinochet's military regime. Approximately 1,200 people disappeared. More than 27,000 were tortured. Investigations into the Pinochet family's personal fortune revealed more than 125 secret bank accounts abroad. He'd amassed between 15 and 20 million dollars. Pinochet was also implicated in illegal arms deals. An investigation also revealed Pinochet used public funds to build one of Latin America's largest and most valuable book collections, his own personal library. Despite his legacy, the late dictator still has a small but passionate group of right-wing supporters. They see him as a hero who saved the country from communism. Many others would passionately disagree. Hindsight is narrated by me, Charles Dance. This series was produced by South Podcasts. Their team is producer Rana Dawood, associate producer Basant Samhut. Sound design by Taisir Kabani. Assembly sound editing by Yazan Kawas. This episode is written by Sama Mare. Research and interview by Victoria Silva Sanchez. Fact-checking by Joanne Bustany. Special thanks to Gabby Rivera-Matus for speaking to us about the character. Augusto Pinochet is played by Miguel Castillo. Extra voices played by Cristina De Lucio and Emma Mendez-Rossell. Voice coaching by Zayn Ganma. Recording by Audio Process and Coco Productions. Additional research and fact-checking by Al Jazeera Lynn Enwin and Isabel Martin. Script editing by Danalo Hawaleshka. Joe DeFrias is the executive producer of Special Projects. Juan Carlos Van Meek is Al Jazeera's director of digital innovation and programming. Hindsight is a historical drama podcast. All dramatized scenes and dialogue are inspired by historical events, old interviews, and in some cases, new conversations with people close to the subject.